This podcast contains possible spoilers about comic books and adaptations. You've been warned. Ho, 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 and happy holidays. Oh, hello, little boy. I'm 30 years old. (laughs) Why don't you come sit on my lap? Two things. First one, no. Second one, we're not even recording in the same place. What do you want for Christmas this year, little boy? Um, comics? Ah, but first, can I tell you about my origin story? Feels a little forced, but okay. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today, we're talking about Klaus. This is our fun holiday episode. Uh, we decided to do a episode that features on a comic that has to do with the holidays. And this was one that kind of made sense for us to talk about uh, being the holidays. So if you want a fun read, we, we're going to talk about this comic Klaus briefly. Um, This is a seven-issue miniseries from Boom Studios, written by legendary comics writer Grant Morrison and illustrated by Dan Mora, one of the hottest artists emerging in the last few years in comics. It's basically Santa Claus year one, Lance. It's, it's, uh, It's a really interesting origin story, and it's set in a dark, myth-laden past where you have magic and monsters uh, that are rumored but seldom seen, where we see a super heroic version of a younger Santa, kind of a mid-adult Santa. He's got a grizzled beard and he's like a fur trader. And we also see the origins of many Christmas traditions in this book, as well as some creepy monsters, which we'll get to later. So how did this variant holiday comic come to be? For that, we go into the archives. Klaus was created by writer Grant Morrison and artist Dan Mora. Grant Morrison is a Scottish comic book creator, writer, playwright, and even musician. His first art portfolio was actually rejected from Alan Glenn's secondary school in Glasgow, Scotland. His first published piece was for the comic magazine Near Myths in 1978 for the strip Gideon Stargrave. He was only 17 when he did that. Fast forward to the early 1980s, And Morrison is actually touring with his band called The Mixers, while at the same time also writing for the Scottish publisher DC Thompson on on their series Star Blazer, which was a science fiction adaptation of the publisher's Commando series. Morrison would go on to write The Liberators, which was part of a British comic anthology series by Des Skin in 1985. Now, it's important to mention that Des Skin was actually the head of Marvel Comic Operations in England during the early 1970s. Morrison would go on to actually work for Marvel UK that very next year. Marvel UK was formed in 1972 and was originally meant to just reprint the American stories for the weekly British comic market. 
They would later go on to produce original content from British creators like Alan Moore, John Wagner, Dave Gibbons, Steve Dillon, and you guessed it, Grant Morrison. While at Marvel UK, Morrison wrote numerous comic strips for Doctor Who magazine. And if you understand the UK, <laughs> Doctor Who's a big deal. And just a little bit. Just a little <laughs> bit. It's kind of popular over there. Only been going on for decades. Now, this was one of my favorite things I, I learned while researching <laughs> for, for Klaus. Morrison actually wrote a Zoids a little comic insert that was thrown into the reprinted Spider-Man runs. Hmm. It, during, during the time at Marvel UK, they were reprinting the Marvel superheroes Secret Wars 1 and 2 sagas, which they reprinted in 1985 and 1986. And during issues 20 through 26 of that, there was a, a Zor, Zoids storyline which then led to them getting their own title that was put alongside the other reprintings of Spider-Man books. And it was actually called Spider-Man and Zoids. So even though they weren't crossing <laughs> over, they they were two completely different stories in, inside the book. They were just called Spider-Man and Zoids. Now, now, do you know what Zoids are, Chris? No, I have no idea. It's the first time I've ever heard of okay. it. Okay, so it's it's an anime series that is about kind of like animal type uh transformer kind of things sure. but they're actually yep. controlled by people and basically just think mechs and you could do all these different alterations sure. to them and upgrade them sure. different weapons things like that and i really enjoyed that show the comic and the sh and the anime have literally nothing to do with each other they look <laughs> okay. very different from one another but it's the fact that it's just the title, the entity of Zoids was thrown in with Spider-Man. And so I now desperately need to find these issues. <laughs> and and the series actually lasts so that Spider-Man and Zoids series lasted for 51 issues. And it was actually canceled in the middle of a run called the Black Zoid storyline, which Morrison was working on. And Morrison and Steve, uh, I want to pronounce this right, Yoel actually proposed a continuation of the series, but it got shelved. But out there we somewhere... We promise this will get back to Santa Claus. I promise just, it'll get back to Klaus in a minute. I just have to talk about Grant about this. Morrison. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so, real deep cut stuff here. Yeah. So Morrison's work alongside, alongside Steve Yoel on Zenith for 2000 AD actually caught the attention of DC Comics, who brought him on. He created one of the DC's characters, Animal Man, in 1988 which was a part of this creation, uh, which his creation marked Morrison as one of the British invasion creators to U.S. comics alongside Neil Gaiman, Peter Milligan, Jamie Delano, and Alan Moore. Morrison would then take over Doom Patrol in 1989, and honestly, his works just exploded after that. We have All-Star Superman, Batman, Final Crisis, JLA, New X-Men, Fantastic Four, Hellblazer, and so many other titles. Dan Mora is a Costa Rican-born comic book creator and artist. His art runs through his veins because he's actually the relative of famous sculptor and painter Francisco Zuniga. Mora received his artistic education at the University of Costa Rica, 
he actually shifted from studying architecture to plastic arts. He would then go on to actually teach painting classes. After difficulty with getting his paintings into art galleries, he shifted once again to drawing sci-fi and fantasy. Alongside a few of his friends from the University of Costa Rica, they created a comic magazine called El Zarpe in 2008. Mora would work as an illustrator for hire through Grupo Nación while publishing comic strips for magazine Soho in 2013 and Buen Salvaje in 2014. Dan Mora's art caught the attention of Boom Studios, who brought him on to work on multiple titles. He started penciling and inking the horror fantasy series Hexed in 2014, which was its second volume written by Michael Allen Nelson. Shortly after, Mora, Mora joined Morrison to co-create Klaus in 2015. Mora would not only pencil and ink the miniseries, but color it as well. And the colors look amazing. His, his work is fantastic. And to give you a better idea of Mora's trajectory since hitting the comic scene, he has since worked on major titles including sequential art for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Go Go Power Rangers alongside writer Ryan Parrott, and Once in Future, which is written by one of my favorite writers, period, Kieran Gillen, who we've talked about on our Die issue. Dan Mora is one of the hottest artists out there for cover art, including pretty much every Power Ranger comic event, Justice League, Batman Beyond, Flash, Titans, Daredevil, Weapon X, All New Wolverine, even Dune. Fun fact... Dan Mora also does the box art and a lot of the interior art for the Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid board game. And something that's pretty exciting and has been recent is that Mora has helped out develop an insane number of char new character designs for DC's upcoming event, Future State. And looking at the redesigns, I'm so excited for this title because... I'm telling you, the, these designs look really cool. And in the promo art, there's Dan Mora drawing um, Red X, which – do you know who Red X is? Mm -mm. He, he was in the Teen Titans show and you, we don't really ever figure out exactly who he – anyway, I digress. I'm just excited about the <laughs> event and the art sure. from Mora is really exciting. His style really reminds me of kind of a mix between Joe Madurita and and j scott campbell um mm -hmm. so it's got like especially in like the faces of the kids the, the it's got those like kind of you can see the bottom of the teeth and and they're very expressive faces and then the muscles are really you know bulked out you know and these the bigger uh characters but it's not over the top it, it's still very um like the anatomy is really well done and, and the the backgrounds are very detailed but but there's a lot of really fun angles, like all kinds of levels in, in the mm -hmm. settings here. And and the pacing was really easy to follow artistically. So like, yeah, it was if, if this was his second or third like major thing that he did and probably the thing that kind of put him on the map, like it, what a way to what a way yeah, to debut. Way to hit the scene. Yeah. Um, and I and I believe that Mora won like uh, a couple of awards for this for like outstanding new artists and, and up and coming artists and things like that from various publications for, for a Christmas comic book. Mm -hmm. So I had never heard of this until you mentioned we should do this. And I was like, okay. And then 
you know, Grant Morrison, Dan Mora, like you can't go wrong. Yeah, it's a good one-two punch. I, I had – Klaus has been on my list to read for quite some time now. So as soon as we were like, we need a holiday episode, I knew exactly what we needed to cover. There you go. <laughs> Jolly old St. Nicholas, lean your ear this way. Don't you tell a single soul what I'm going to say. Christmas Eve is coming soon. So Klaus in this comic uh, has a couple different aliases. Um, mostly he's referred to as uh, Klaus, but um, he is also later on sort of becomes a an urban myth, if you will, within this town that it takes place in. Klaus in this comic is also referred to as Santa or also, and I'm probably going to say this wrong, but <laughs> he's referred to as the Euler niece or Jeweler niece. That sounds good to which me. Is the, which is the Yule time spirit. So he sort of becomes this urban myth within the town here. In As far as costumes, um, he initially starts off with this really... <laughs> buff kind of sleeveless shirt, uh, dark shirt with kind of a cool red scarf thing going on. That's fur lined uh, cape. And he's just, you know, sun's out, guns out in the middle of the snow. Hey, if you Um, got it, you rock it even in the winter. I mean, he's rocking it and a a kind of a big, thick beard, you know, with a ponytail. It's 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 Nordic uh, hot boy is what he's got going on. Yeah. Um, then later on, he sort of embraces this. I'm going to be the hero of the town and represents the colors of red and white, um, which is kind of the soldier colors of this town of Grimsvig. And uh, it's sort of loosely, but not really specifically said that they said it, I think in Norway, but it's, it's said in the town of Grimsvig. And it's pretty much all around that and, and the outskirts of, uh, of the forest of Grimsvig, Grimsvig as well. Klaus's powers, uh, aside from being uh, very dexterous and physically adept and uh, having uh, previously said lots of muscles, is also very good at making toys. But specifically, he makes toys while on, and I'm going to try to put this in, Nice terms, uh, hallucinogenic herbs. Um, he basically uses kind of a shamanistic medicine um, liquid that that he smokes, or he plays this, you know, he plays this music and he starts seeing things. He starts seeing the music, and it's kind of based on the shamanistic uh, legends of of being able to conjure spirits of uh, spirits of the forest a.k.a. elves. So he's conjuring these spirits from the, the very beings of the forest, and they actually help him, or it's never really said, but either he makes them, or they help yeah. him, or they all do it together when he's, you know, jacked up. <laughs> and, yeah. and then he uh, he makes these toys, because like the next morning he's like, hey, here's all these toys that I made well, um, and then he's overnight. All, then he's also like, uh, where do these come from? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, what did I hey, do last night? Good times. So as far as occupations or jobs, uh, he kind of starts off the comic setting as a fur trader. But we find out that in, in flashbacks that he was actually a former captain of the guard of Grimsvig and has since been ousted and pretty much left for dead. Everybody thought that he was dead. 
and he kind of comes back in almost incognito because no one really recognizes him. He's got a big beard and he's dressed differently. So, and then he sort of becomes this vigilante of the town that's uh, giving joy to kids and adults of the town, which they've taken away joy from this town. And I'll get into like who's doing that. The uh, supporting characters in this comic you have primarily Lily, who is his white wolf. And if you're getting sort of a Game of Thrones-ish vibe here, you wouldn't be wrong. Like, no, it's, it kind of reminds me of a Jon Snow. Yeah. Um, you know, he has got this giant direwolf uh, companion. And uh, which which I was very kind of surprised. I was like, oh, a wolf? Like, I don't remember a wolf. In yeah, where's, where's the lore, reindeer? But- yeah. <laughs> so, but, but it's kind of, it's nice. It's nice to have this, you know, big character and Lily is a very sweet character. And, and I, I love seeing the expressions. Like every mm-hmm. once in a while you get that kind of like that little head, t- head tilt to that dogs do like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's kind of fun. Uh, you also meet some significant people in, in the town. Um, the town is run by uh, Baron Magnus, who is a, uh, how do we put this? a very evil dude. He, he is yeah, a creepy looking, skinny, typical, like greasy looking bad guy, uh, wears a black cloak. He's, he's basically like if Snape was actually really evil and, and just, he's just creepy looking. Tell us what you really <laughs> he's, think, Chris. He's, uh, he, he very much serves. The, I almost think they push it a little too far. I almost wish it was more subtle at first, you know, um, he's just so much, he's just oozing bad guy. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I almost kind of, it almost turned me. If I, if that was my kind of one complaint was that it was a little over the top, the bad guy in this. Cause it's yeah. just like, well, that's the bad There's, guy. <laughs> uh, one thing I will say about that is, is they point out that he wasn't always like that. That sure. he kind of like devolved into that, but there's a yeah. very important reason why he's the way he is. Sure. And and they, they show him they show him earlier and yeah, right. Yeah, the, he he definitely becomes that. So um you and so with the Baron, you also have the Baroness, uh his wife, who is named Dagmar, and she is this beautiful, redheaded, uh younger uh well not young, I mean younger to him, woman who we find out was a former childhood friend and possibly love interest of Klaus. They have a son whose name is Jonas who is the son of uh, the son of the Baron and the Baroness. And he at first also kind of goes through a nice character arc where he at first is just this bratty. Oh yeah. He's the worst. terrible kid who, who's he's like the, every parent's worst nightmare of just like, he hates every toy and he gets super spoiled and he's just, he's awful. And he goes through this nice character arc of like learning what's wrong. And he, he even says like, I'm terrible. You should take yeah. me and like sacrifices himself and, or tries to at least. So, and then there's, uh, another kid named Finn Michelson, who is kind of like, he's the sort of the little boy that believes in Santa and like tr- tries to help him out when he's really hurt. And, and his dad even helps out like kind of with a revolt of the town, the yeah. men that are forced to, mine all the coal for some reason even though there's like they don't need all this coal yeah there's there's and a, there's a fun moment where uh where finn's dad gets to do like a cool hero thing yeah. 
And the other kids are like, who is that? Is that the, is that the spirit? And he's like, like that's, that's my, my dad. dad. <laughs> yeah. The jingle all the way. <laughs> that's my dad. That's my dad. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was like, okay. <laughs> I loved but it. It's fun. It's, it's it was cute. great. It was great. And so along the main antagonist, of course, is Baron Magnus. Uh, he's, he's the bad guy. But as you kind of hinted at the, the other big antagonist is Baron Magnus for years and years has read up on this legend of the voice within the mountain, um, which is the reason that he forces all the men of Grimsvig to mine all this coal, more than they could ever need. And it's because supposedly within the mountain, there is a very powerful demon that can grant power um, that will basically follow the wishes of whoever frees him, which Baron Magnus says, okay, well, I'm going to free this demon. And it turns out to be, you guessed it, Krampus, <laughs> who is Yo. the sort of evil Santa or the uh, anti-Santa, Anti- basically the, the yeah the, the 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 Christmas demon who eats children and has terrible powers, and he they basically demon him up in in this comic. And you don't see Krampus until later in the series. Um, we figure you know Krampus is not necessarily a spoiler. He's part of Christmas mythology. He's and, also on the back and, cover. He's also mentioned on the back cover of, of the graphic novel. So it's like, well, you know, there you go. So and there's a bunch of other, you know, minor characters here and there, um, spirits of the forest, uh, other members of the guard, things like that. So but those are the main ones. Uh, Klaus, as a comic character himself, is really interesting because he takes on pretty quickly. He sees, you know, that there's no joy in this town because of the Baron, because of Magnus has just said, like, you know, nobody can have toys nobody can have fun like they're not allowed to sing in church you know everything's kind of gray and drab and all of the soldiers are like making sure that this is enforced and so he basically said it's 2020 no more fun yes got it so (laughs) but i want to bring up kind of an interesting segue here and and some of our listeners might be familiar with this so you, you know those old rankin bass animations like the stop motion animations like rudolph yeah, the red uh-huh. reindeer not as well known but some people might have seen it is there is a uh, a rankin bass animation about santa claus and it shows sort of santa's <laughs> uh earlier years uh and this comic really reminded me of that and i kid you not that the main antagonist in that uh you know, half an hour kids animation is this um, like Burgermeister. It's, it's a little bit more like a German myth. Uh-huh. Um, and he, you know, doesn't want any kids to have any toys. And it yeah. takes place in this, this town. And um, none of the kids are allowed to have toys. And then this guy, Chris Kringle, they, they, they use Chris Kringle as a Klaus, comes into town and he starts making toys for, you know, people and kind of coming up with, oh, well, I, I can't deliver it to him. So I'll drop him down the chimney. And you know, it's, it's, the, it was, it made me think of that. I was like, did they get the idea from this Rankin Bass <laughs> animation? Who knows? Maybe, I don't know. They probably didn't, but um, they probably took, it seems like they took it more from the myth, uh, the, the myths and different things like that. But that, that's kind of what made me think of it. It was like, oh, it's kind of similar. Klaus uh, as a character is really interesting because he, he definitely sees the suffering and the, you know, lack of joy that this town has. And it's, it's his former town. So he wants to bring back this. So he sort of becomes this, 
uh, nighttime urban myth and like leaping from chimney to chimney mm-hmm. and, and roof to roof and, and, and goes and leaves these little toys that he makes after a hallucinogenic bender and, <laughs> and all the kids wake up and they're like, Oh, look at all these fun things. And, and, and of course the, the Baron then comes out and about takes it. everything the Baron away, takes everything away, gives it to his son, his son breaks everything. And, and his, I like the little moment where his mom is like, no, no, you have to like, you have to kind of pretend and she shows him how to play. And then that, that's where Jonas, the kid is, is starts to like, Oh, Oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's like, I don't know how to, how to play with toys. Yeah. He just destroys everything. He's like, you know, you don't have to break it, but what if he was actually a dragon? And yeah. Like, oh, so the- basically he starts off as Sid and just destroys yeah. <laughs> and wrecks all of his toys. Cause he has zero imagination. Right. Right. And, and, by and the then his mom Andy. like slowly tries to like <laughs> teach him about fun and playing and yeah, yeah. he 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 missed Good a few uh, developmental milestones with that one. Yeah. But it's Klaus is the the comic is really interesting because it gives reasoning behind all these different things that we associate with Santa. So he has that trip and then he makes toys or the forest spirits yeah. make it they dropping they, they the dropping really the jump. toys down the chimney yeah because they can't he can't because there's soldiers watching every door for this person that is right. bringing these toys into town so he he's like oh i'm just gonna jump rooftop to rooftop rooftop to rooftop yeah. and drop and these kind of, presents down the chimney yeah and they kind of hint at that there was a former decoration they do mention that there is yuletide celebration that was mm-hmm. previously in in the town before the Baron kind of took over. So it wasn't, it was more just like, this is the Yuletide season and they would have a tree and they would decorate it and they haven't done that. So he, you know, kind of brings that back by, by, you know, having this big tree be available and, and, and they do di- different little things. The one thing they don't do, cause we mentioned the wolf is they don't actually have any reindeer. No, um, I'm pretty sure uh, Lily, would, Lily would eat the reindeer. Yeah, th- there is one little shot in the flashback where there is a sleigh with reindeer being pulled and, and there's not eight of them or anything like that. And, but it's, it's the the closest thing of like, Oh, it's a sleigh with reindeer. And, and, but otherwise reindeer are just not in this at all. So yeah. it, it doesn't go into like every single little Santa no. Claus thing, Wol- but, but the elves anyway. are mentioned as the spirits of the forest. Like they, these are, and that's kind of right from myth of like, you know, they're, these spirits of the forest that could be, you know, you know, interpreted as elves or they kind of look alien, you know, like, and it, it's a, it's a really interesting interpretation of, of these beings that come in and, and help um, Klaus make all the toys and everything, which I thought was kind of cool. And that's also later how he gets his powers of, he basically says like, I can't die now. You know, <laughs> I'm yeah. going to, yeah, he we're going to live for a while immortal. because he's sort of, he sort of embraces this this supernatural power of of um, being able to bring joy and fight Krampus and everything like that. Yeah, it's a it's a really cute story. It's it's fun. It's a lot of fun actually. Yeah, and and it's not, you know, we're talking about different shifts in tone. It, it's it has a little bit of superhero element to it it kind of reminds me of like Grimm's fairy tales but but not being super gory like how the originals were like there's not just there's 
you know, not mass murder. There's a little bit of blood, but there's, it's more like action blood, you know, like action violence. Um, a lot of fantasy, a lot of, uh, you know, different, different visuals and monsters and things like that. Um, and it's definitely fun. I think, you know, you could, you can have some younger readers read this. And while there's some creepy elements, I think, you know, there's no bad language and, and there's no like, you know, children that get well, spoilers. There's no children that get like eaten or anything like that. But but there are some people that get um, disintegrated in in uh, fire vomit yeah. <laughs> from Krampus. Uh-huh. So, I yeah. mean, as long as they can, it's like fantastic fantasy violence. Um, it's the same kind of thing you would see in like a Indiana Jones movie. So I think, you know, 10, 10 year old, 13 year old or something that's seen a couple of movies, Marvel movies or whatever, is probably going to be okay with something like this. If you read this with your kids or your kid wants to read something that's like a fun take on the Santa Claus myth. Yeah. Or, or if you just want to traumatize your younger child into (laughs) being a good kid and playing with their toys and not breaking them, then they can read this anyway. Or if you're a, you know, 43 year old and, and, or a 30 year old and you just want to read a cool, fun comic and it's written by Grant Morrison. Yeah. Um, I think that's the other thing is we should mention like, you know, Grant Morrison being a a really prolific writer and his take on something like this. It's, it was kind of fun to see something like, the Santa Claus myth and, and really expanding it and all these different, like adding some lore and giving it this sort of real world vibe with, with a lot of really fun action. And it, it is a little blown over the top. I mean, just the, the big beefy Santa Claus was every once in a while. I was like, nah, no, nope, <laughs> like I was there. I was there for it the whole time. <laughs> oh, Oh, and the little, the, there was a snowman thing that we, that, like the guy that, fell the really big dude the big um oh yeah soldier uh-huh. and he and he and he like falls off the roof or whatever he gets put pushed in the snow and he sort of turns him into a, a snowman um so there was a little bit of that too but yeah it was you know there, there some of it's kind of ridiculous you know i mean santa or klaus is you know he's got like a grappling hook and he's like he's like basically batmaning yeah. like he also his has way up sword. to the roofs yeah he's a big old sword and he yeah, it's um, it's it, like you said, it's very fun. And I think if you don't take it too seriously and be like, hey, wait a minute, how come his, you know, yeah. um, if you don't get all like nerd lawyer about it, then you're going to have fun reading this. It's it's a fun escape into the Santa Santa mythos. So, um, yeah, definitely. Um, we're going to take a brief break, uh, make our naughty or nice list, and then we'll be right back. Hey there, do you like movies, cartoons, video games, anime, and everything in between? Then we have a show for you. The Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Every week, Josh and Ben bring you all the latest and greatest in movie reviews, news, commentaries, interviews, special guests, and tons of bonus episodes. New episodes come out every Monday. We also make great nerdy content on our YouTube channel. You can find our show anywhere podcasts are found. The Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Your one stop for all your nerdy needs. Stay nerdy, my friends. Hey, 
everybody. Thanks for listening again to Comic Book Keepers. And the best way to support us is to leave a rating and review on your podcast network of choice. A five-star rating goes a long way on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast network. And a review about what you liked in the episode or who you think we should cover next does so much more. So we hope you enjoy the show as much as we love making it. You can find us on Twitter at CBKCast using the hashtag CBKCast if you want to get our attention. And with your what if ideas, uh, let us know what you think about our different what if segments and if you have things to add as well. We're also on Instagram at CBKCast. We have a Facebook group. You can look up Comic Book Keepers. And we are also hosted on the Geekly Grind and we are part of the Geekly Grind podcast network stop by the geekly grind for all things geeky from comics anime and manga to board games video games rpgs and more take a break from your weekly grind at the geekly grind and don't forget to check out the composer of our theme song arcane anthems our good friend weston makes royalty free music for tabletop role-playing games campaigns streams and podcasts check out his amazing work at arcane anthems on twitter tiktok and you can actually get all of his music Available for free on his Patreon at Arcane Anthems. All right, let's get back to the issue. Up on the housetop, reindeer paws. Out jumps good old Santa Claus. Down through the chimney with lots of toys. All for the little one's Christmas joys. Ho, ho, ho. Pull this time. You ready? Pull this time. Yeah, let's, let's talk about what kind of... There's obviously... The main seven issue miniseries, but there's actually a couple of one shots um, in addition to that. So can you run us through that? Yes. So we have in in 2016, they came out with the Klaus and the Witch of Winter one shot. The next one in 2017 was Klaus and the Crisis in Xmasville, which was pretty fun. They kind of bring in other uh, winter related characters to the storyline, and there's like this evil alternate reality, ultimate alternate universe <laughs> Santa that makes evil like, Santa like a whole bunch of other zombie Santas, and there's a big old showdown, which is pretty interesting. And, and using the word crisis definitely sparks oh, a kind of like absolutely. okay, we're we're definitely going with uh, DC DC vibes of like oh, there's all these different alternate universes and everything. So I think that's you know you're playing into the the audience's. Um, strengths here Mm -hmm. so that you can tell there that morrison's really having fun with this for sure and then we have klaus and the crying snowman which came out in 2018 which is about a a dad that gets turned into a snowman and klaus is basically trying to save him before he melts Mm -hmm. yep i actually own that one (laughs) nice (laughs) Uh, and then finally in 2019, there was Klaus and the Life and Times of Joe Christmas. And then right. you have a little extra one, right? I have one more, which I found on Comixology, and I, I think it's out there, you know, for physical purchase, which is called Klaus Pen and Ink. And it's the first two issues reprinted in 11 by 17 and it's black and white inks and it has artist and writer commentary from Dan Mora and Grant Morrison, which I thought was kind of cool. So I found out Comixology and a couple of these that Lance mentioned are also on Comixology as well. Um, But the, yeah, the black and white thing was kind of cool. And if you like that sort of director commentary, 
with your comics, um, this is a fun one to find. So, and I just love the the black and white art too. I mean, like the the color is great, but it's it's also really nice, really nice to see black and white ink art and just kind of appreciate it. And you can, I think, when you separate color and and see black and white art, you can really appreciate like the work that goes into it because um, it really makes you realize, oh yeah, this is a comic. And and sometimes even reading a comic, you get so immersed. Um, but when you see black and white, it really helps you appreciate like, oh yeah, this is like every line is yeah. illustrated. Line work. That's when you see line yeah. work. Yeah. Um, and then do you have any, do you have any grail finds? Would, would it just be the, the crying snowman one that you have? Yeah. It, I, I need to find issue one of the miniseries. That's probably what I'm going to go after. I, I really sure. did enjoy reading this. And so I, I definitely want to own that. That's good. I'm going to try to find that pen and ink one, I think. Yeah. And then we don't have any adaptations this week for this comic. So let's Sadly, just no, but, but I, I do want to say, uh, if this were to be a, a, adapted into a movie, a quick little movie, or it'd probably be like a, a one-time thing or maybe like an animated thing. I think that would be fun, but I would love to see it as a live action movie or a movie. And they, they were able to do that. So they could definitely do like seven, you know, 24 page issues into that. Yeah. But then you have all these little one shots, which are, which would be kind of fun too. So, but yeah, I think a live action thing would be really fun. Who would you, who would you cast as, Klaus, like if you were to cast it. No, oh, geez. Like a live action. Uh, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> like some some dude, somebody with like a, a big thick beard. Yeah, I'm trying to think who, who. Oh, you know who I would cast? Travis yeah. Willingham. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's get <laughs> Travis Willingham. <laughs> Get Laura Bailey to pay to play what's Dagmar. her name? Dagmar. <laughs> sure. We got and then, uh, and Sam yeah, Regal and is gonna Liam, play. Liam O'Brien can I was gonna yeah. say Liam O'Brien. Oh, I, I say play either. Baron. What if every other scene they just flip flop between the two? <laughs> yeah, that's the critical role casting. <laughs> there we go. What, what? what? each issue we do what nerds do best. We share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love. And this week, we thought it'd be pretty fun to think about what other holiday mascot or persona should get the Klaus comic origin makeover treatment. Now, Chris, uh, I've heard a little bit about what yours is. So why don't you uh, share it with our listeners? Sure. So the idea is that we're picking a holiday sort of mascot or theme uh, that we would turn into a comic miniseries with a little bit more of an adult spin. And, you know, if it was written by a uh, prolific British <laughs> comics writer. And illustrated and, by an incredibly talented yeah, artist. Yeah, you know, and not just like a, a kid's version. So I'm going to go with the Easter Bunny. And the idea is I'm, I'm sort of integrating elements of, for those of you familiar with the the classic novel and also the animated version of Watership Down. So you have these kind of adult uh, bunny society, bunny uh, uh, rabbit societies that kind of pull in the military aspects of, of how 
you know, too much control and, and just being able to survive and you have all these predators. So I like the idea of kind of incorporating some of that into the Easter bunny mythos. And you have, you know, bunny societies and there's basically like they, they're very fast and because they're very fast, they have to, they are relied on to deliver things to other uh, points of the, of the world. So rabbit would be the fastest animal. I would want it to be a little bit more adult. Like you would have these, you know, predatory animals that would come in and, and try to destroy rabbit and like his friends and everything like that. So it wouldn't be like cutesy and whatnot. It would be like, he's, he's constantly looking over his shoulder trying to survive because he's a smaller animal. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think that would be kind of a fun, like an, a fun adult take on, uh, on the Easter bunny mythos. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd read it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So what you got, uh, what, what, uh, what, what holiday character are we going to see as a, as an intense comic series? So I went with Cupid. So we're focusing on like Valentine's day. Now Cupid, his, his name would be Val and his storyline would be, he's horrible at love, but he's really good at always been good at like pairing people up with one another. And through some series of events, he comes in ownership of this like magical bow and he is able to like split an arrow into two. And if he shoots one using this bow, it doesn't don't actually pierce a person physically, but it kind of changes and is able to connect those two people together and they get to uh, live out their lives together. But the comic now would, is this is this the Cupid like like Greek mythos Cupid or this is more just like the legend of Cupid? Probably like Legend of Cupid. We're going okay. super loose with with this right yeah. now. Okay, okay, gotcha. <laughs> and uh, through through a series of events. He will meet Father Time and Father Time wants to recruit him because there is this other evil entity that is essentially making it so people that were supposed to meet and have children and their children were supposed to do important things are not meeting one another. And so there's a chance these children might not be born. So he has to go and try and uh, take care of this entity while also making sure people that are supposed to uh, be together are, and he gets all of his assignments from, from this father time character. And who knows, maybe in the storyline, father time ends up being the bad guy too. I don't know. I'm not writing the whole story. That's what just if the it's, basic what if concept. It's like, you know how you have the sisters of fate in, in mythology. Yeah. What if you have like the sisters of fate who like, this is how things are going to be. And the father time's like, no, no, I've seen, I've seen, these people who have kids and they end up being these really important people or like these people that should be born. And, and it's like, you don't know which, you know, you have sisters of fate that are like, it's gotta be one way. And then father time basically rec- recruits Cupid to be like, okay, you got to get these people together. Cause we don't like the sisters of fate. And if these two fall in love, then they're going to have a kid and then they're going to do it. And the sisters of fate are trying to like stop it, you know, the whole time. That works for me. Yeah. Done. That, that's kind it's of in the script. <laughs> I like that maybe Cupid uh, has to upgrade his bow a couple times. Like at first, he he actually starts accidentally shooting people. Yeah, like, ex- exactly. Other times, like no, 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 no it's not a real people. arrow. It's more like a, it's a magic uh, arrow. Yeah, it's like a. He's got like arrows with like aphrodisiac 
potion in it. <laughs> Jeez. It's just, it's like, just oh, seafood. It's seafood. Falls in love with, yeah, it's seafood and oysters and chocolate. That's just filled with oysters and chocolate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible combo. Romanced. <laughs> it's been proven <laughs> that oysters and chocolate make people fall in love. <laughs> That'd be that'd be like his first failed attempts of just well I'm, I've, that's what I heard is it's an aphrodisiac so he just fills it with a bunch of chocolate and oysters jeez anyway this episode is about Klaus yeah Klaus yeah so let us know if you have an idea for a holiday myth or character that you would like to turn into a. Uh, comic series uh, in the in the vein of klaus that we've been talking about you can reach us on twitter at cbkcast and let us know using the hashtag cbkcast with your what if ideas and we'll put this on our twitter as well but we want to hear if you guys have any specific ideas uh or even maybe just an alternate version of of a santa story or myth that you would like to see told um there's there's all kinds of things that people have done with Santa Claus. You know, we've seen Santa Claus as a villain. We've seen Santa Claus as a horror. We've seen, you know, hilarious family friendly Santa Claus stories and stuff like that. So this is one that I, you know, I haven't really seen as like superhero Santa. So uh, I'm sure that there's other interpretations that that would be really fun. So if you have other ones for other characters, maybe, you know, something with Halloween or something with, you know, leprechauns or something with, uh, uncle Sam fourth of July or, or if you are from another country and you have a holiday that you celebrate and you have sort of a mascot, let us know. Um, it'd be fun to hear what other people have. So I think that kind of wraps up our issue on Klaus. Uh, you have anything else you want to add Lance? Just hope you all have a good holiday season and keep uh, moving forward with this year. One of the good things, at least for us too, is that we were able to kind of start this podcast and despite distances, uh, we're able to, to talk about comics and it's given us a chance to read more comics and hopefully next year we'll be a little different and we're, we might even be able to record in person at some point, you know, if, if what? Uh, coronavirus stops. That'd be crazy. I mean, that, that would be, that'd be really interesting. Yeah. Be that, fun. that might change the dynamic completely, but we'll see. Um, so thank you all for listening again. It's been a really fun 2020. We do have one more episode. Uh, it has not been a really fun 2020. Uh, no, it has not been a fun 2020. <laughs> um, it has been a fun series of episodes so far. Or we call them issues. And we actually have one more issue before the end of the year, which I will leave as a surprise. So continue to listen. And we want to thank you guys. It's time to close the book on Klaus. So until next time, this is Chris. And Lance. Reminding you to keep your friends close, but your comic books closer. Ho, ho, ho. Every time I want to say it, I want to say claws. Uh-huh. But then I look at it, I'm like, that's not how yeah. you say it. We're not talking about that. Not talking about the Tim Allen movie. <laughs>